but you would be something that is real, life-changing, and something that we understand. I thank you that you're setting things right in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, so starting something new today called Jesus for the People. And I'm gonna, we're going to uh, zero in on a, a Jesus story. If anyone needs a Bible, Jimmy's got a few extras here at the church. If feel free, Jimmy, we can bring one around here for Val and Maude. Anyone else, just feel free to raise your hand. And, of course, you can use the Wi-Fi as well. So <clears throat> before we jump into our first story, I want to read to you, if you bring your eyes uh, to the screen, then we'll open up your Bibles Two weeks ago, we zeroed in on this um, idea from the scripture. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put, um, he put us, sorry, that's my typo. <laughs> Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. If we confess, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Jesus for the people. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. It's after the Old Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This uh, picture that you see is Lake Galilee, where Jesus did some fishing. Jesus spent time with friends where Jesus taught, where Jesus healed people. Yes, maybe not on the ski boat that's in the picture, but who knows? Maybe he had nighttime recreation. He could do whatever. Um, Human history itself is divided in B.C. and A.D. by the historical fact that Jesus Christ lived. The historical fact that in no way, shape, or form is responsibly academically refuted that he was executed by the Romans and that on the third day he came back to life and that he is alive today. And so Jesus is an important person for us to learn a little bit more about because he is either our Lord, a liar, or a lunatic. Because he claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the Messiah, the sent one, the only one who in his death could bring forgiveness for our sins. So let's, let's go to a Jesus story. Are you good for that? Yeah. All right. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his hometown. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, 
pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen. And they praised God for sending a man with such great authority. I love this story. You have to kind of put yourself in the story a little bit, right? Here we are, lakeside town, sandy beach, and you know where people that would fish for a living would bring their catch in. Town. Smaller, but not all that different from small to more. Have people that know each other, people that have a past, people that have a reputation, people that have made mistakes, people that have jobs, people that have fears, people living for themselves and people living for others. People trying to make it right. Medical problems, emotional problems. Here we have Jesus, the Son of the living God, and remember, also 100% human. Jesus, getting off the boat, seeing this group of people bring to him a paralyzed man. Now, we today have certain people that stand at every high-density traffic point to gather money, right? And in some parts of the city, we have people that are homeless and that are paralyzed, that can't walk. And we have healthcare for the homeless and other nonprofits that are doing great work. And you are doing great work, as we just even this past week provided more clothes for one of the homeless men even in this neighborhood. But what we don't see all that often, or what is maybe not celebrated often enough, is when someone actually picks up, physically picks up somebody that is paralyzed to bring them to help. But that's what's going on here. People are showing their faith in Jesus. Just like by coming here today, you show that your faith, that there is a living God that is worthy of worship and worthy of your time and your energy. They're they're showing their faith that Jesus can heal this condition. He's paralyzed. This isn't a hangnail. This isn't a headache. This isn't a toothache. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. They bring to Jesus this man that is paralyzed. Now at this point, Jesus is in his 30s. We don't know how old this guy is. But Jesus says to him, my child, he uses kind of little one, young one, a slang term. But what we see first, and you got to, in trying to put yourself in the story, this is Matthew that's writing this. Matthew didn't put in chapters and verses and he didn't wrap you know, wrap this and uh, um, in a, in a binder, and, and, and he's telling a story of what happened. And in telling the story of what happened, he can remember the smell. He can remember the sounds. He can remember the people that were around. Maybe thirty people standing around, and he can remember. And this is why sometimes watching the movie. And reading the book is good, right? I mean, it, that can be frustrating at times because your imagination is different than what they do in the movies. But what we what we do is is or watching uh, the Son of Man about Jesus, the movie. We start to put ourselves into that situation and realize what what's easy for us to skip over when we just read through it that there's nonverbal communication, right? 
the eye, eye to eye, body language, emotion, eye to eye, face to face, Jesus looks at the people that are bringing the paralyzed man and he doesn't see in them a judgmental negative attitude. He sees faith. And he sees faith in them, which that would include the paralyzed man, right? He looks into his faith and what he, into his face, and what Jesus sees is faith. What Jesus sees is a belief that even in his state of being beyond medical care, that even in that state of being beyond medical care, that he believed that there was power, that Jesus had an ability that no one else had that could fix his situation. Right? When it says Jesus saw their faith, there's meaning to that. Right? Now, Jesus saw their faith And what's interesting, and I believe everything about Jesus informs us, helps us learn more about God. Jesus saw their faith, and Jesus' response was, Take heart, lift up your head, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. That's what he says, right? Your sins are are forgiven. So whether we're in medical need today or not, maybe there's emotional pain and we're self-medicating, or, or maybe there's not. Maybe your life is fantastic. Maybe you've got a medical condition. Or maybe it's a job struggle, a relationship struggle, a tension. Maybe it's someone else's fault what has happened to you. But in whatever state we are in today, whether we have yet accepted the forgiveness of Jesus or not, or whether it is a box that we checked, okay, I can believe that's true decades ago. In whatever state we are in, Jesus comes to us and says, lift up your head. Your sins are forgiven. What's amazing that in this emotional moment, yeah, God created emotions. God has emotions lots of stories in the Bible about God's emotions. That even in this emotional moment, Jesus zeroes in on where he sees the greater need. Jesus comes to that point of greater need and says, lift your head up. Smile. Breathe. Your sins are forgiven. But in this emotional moment, Jesus is actually using legal terminology. He says your mistakes, this sin word, is a mistake that deserves punishment. Now, not all of uh, some of us feel, uh, I'm a good person. I'm not Hitler. I haven't killed anyone. I'm a good person. Oh, uh, okay. But you're born into sin and you have mistakes and you have human nature and you have at some point lived for yourself and not lived for God. And according to God's word, If you are guilty of one sin, you are guilty of it all. In the human race, there are only sinners, those who are separated from God because of their mistakes and their refusal to receive His forgiveness and put their faith in Him. There are only sinners and forgiven sinners. That's it. It's that simple. 
Jesus uses this legal terminology, your sins, your mistakes that are worth judgment, worth punishment. And, and even the small ones are, he says, and other places are forgiven. And this forgiven word that he uses, I find in my experience in relationships with you and in relationships with other humans, we don't fully grasp. We don't fully understand. We don't fully digest it. If we fully digested it, we would start to become almost entirely beyond the need of encouragement. That's the truth. This legal terminology that Jesus uses in forgiven means that your guilt has been removed. It's not, I I think that it's easy for us to think that what Jesus is saying, you've been acquitted. You understand the word acquitted? You were accused of something that you did do or did not do. But the judge, the witnesses, the jury determined that you were not to be convicted. That's acquitted. That's not the word that Jesus uses for God's forgiveness of sins. Jesus uses the word that your guilt has been removed. And yes, it's true that in a sense, Jesus is saying it is as though it never happened. And he is saying that because of God's grace, because of God's great love for us, grace being God giving us good we don't deserve. Mercy being God not giving us punishment or bad that we do deserve. That in God's grace and mercy, our guilt is taken away. We are no longer guilty. Now, what Jesus does not say, and actually the Bible does not ever say, that the consequences, the results of our sins are taken away. Our guilt in the matter is removed. Before God, we are righteous, we are clean, we are whole, we are are pure before Him. But the time we lost, the energy we lost, the pain we inflicted on others is not immediately taken away. Now there is love, there is reconciliation, there is restoration, and there are steps of restoration. And God is in control. God is the one that brings restoration. He gives us an opportunity to be involved with restoration, but it is only by His grace that restoration is possible. And healing in relationships, and renewing the time, and and, and restoring or paying back what you stole, or whatever it is in, in, in making right what was made wrong, is only possible in Jesus. But we thank God because forgiveness of sin means that my guilt is removed. That now I never need to look at myself in the mirror in that way. That I'm no longer identified by it. That when I go before God, He no longer sees it. It's forgiven. It's done. My guilt is taken away. And you know what's interesting about Jesus' words and the way he says this as well? He says this to this young man before he heals them. And I want to point out to you, even with what I just said about restoration, that when we come to God and when we're changed and when we love him with all we've got, we are always saved, forgiven, and healed. That's the results. That's the results that God brings. But Jesus, in saying this, you notice this, and he does this more than once. Jesus says this in the past tense. 
It's already done. It's already complete. Jesus is saying, lift your head up. Be encouraged. Your guilt was already removed. Let's stop believing a lie. Right? Let's stop believing that the guilt is still there. Let's stop believing that by coming to church, my guilt will go away more. Let's stop believing that by dressing right, working right, talking right, not smoking this, not drinking that, or whatever it is that is in your head, let's stop believing that in not doing or doing these things that I am made right. Let's stop that. It is already done. You are already forgiven. The guilt is already removed. You are already made clean. You are already made right. God wants us to stand up, to look up, to put a smile on our face, to live in the salvation he has already provided us and we need help we need each other we need the bible we need love we need prayer we need support we need someone else to come and say lift up your head but we need a right understanding of what has been done because a right understanding brings us to a relationship that my my salvation it's settled it's done already complete does that make sense You've heard the term, the good news, right? The gospel, the Bible. Do you understand that the scripture, the Holy Bible, is God's story? And in every book, God's story being revealed, Jesus is revealed. And in every story where God's story of redemption and restoration and promise and forgiveness and healing and strength and of Jesus being revealed, in every story it includes His design that not only our guilt would be removed, but that we could live to be who He created us to be. It's already done. This week in our life group, we talked a little bit about the polar bear. See, trying to stop lying or stop stealing to make yourself a better person is a little bit like me telling you, whatever you do today, don't think about a white polar bear. Don't do it. Don't think about a white polar bear. Don't think about snow, even though it's hot. Don't think about a white polar bear drinking Coca-Cola. Don't think about a white polar bear sliding down the hill. Don't think about a white polar bear. Don't think about a white polar bear. And then I give you a button. And every time you think about a white polar bear, you've got to hit the button. Are you going to hit the button? Yes. Uh, yeah. A lot. Do we really believe that God wanted us to live a life where all we're trying to do is not think about the white polar bear? All I'm trying to do is not sin. Don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Is that really what we believe about why God would create the earth? Why God would create each one of us with design, with promise? Is that who we think God is? No! Lord, no, that's not who He is. God created you for more. God created you for a life where you live with joy, where you live discovering His purpose and design for you and the good things that He purposed for you to do, not discovering the bad things that He doesn't want you to do, living out of legalism, living out of concern, trying to earn your salvation that has already been accomplished, that has already been given to you. Now we open up Romans and we learn, does that mean that I sin all the more? No. But that means that I shouldn't 
live trying to not think about the white polar bear. I can summarize much of Scripture with this. God saves sinners. I could wake up every morning and say this to myself and drink it in and digest it and taste and see that God is good and face whatever God has asked me to face in this life and realize that the broken world that I live in now, I will not live when my human life ends. I will live in heaven and I will not be able to lead other people to salvation in heaven. I will not be able to lay my hands on someone and see God heal them. I will not be able to forgive someone because when When we are out of this human life, when we are in heaven, there's no more pain, there's no more disease, there's no more hurt, there's no more us offending each other, there's no more of us having other people in our life that need Jesus. There are things God purposed us for that we can't do in heaven. Now God will one day remake the earth and there will be much for us to do on this earth. Heaven's not about sitting around on a cloud strumming a harp. I can't even do that. God is preparing the city of our God, which will become visible from earth. God will have us to create cities. God will have us to do many, many things. But throughout human history, God is ever saving sinners. God is ever bringing us to a fresh start. This salvation, this born-again weird stuff, it means that we have a second chance at life, that by turning away from our sin and turning to Jesus, we are provided an opportunity to be new. It's done. It's settled. I want you to think about this. The gospel, the good news, is not about something we do, but about what has been done for us. And yet the gospel results in a whole new way of life. Do you get what I'm saying? The gospel is not about what we do, but it's about what has already been done for us. But it results in an entirely new life. Martin Luther was famous for saying this, We are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that remains alone. Now to have you read Ephesians 2 and James 2 to get... A little bit more understanding of that this week. So what do we do? We receive and we respond. And what does that mean? Well, like Paul wrote to the Romans, that means that I have to come to a point initially where I recognize that I can't save myself. I can't all of a sudden state that my past is in the past. No, I need Jesus. Right? So at some point in my life, I have to come to a place of saying, Okay, God. And this is how we do it. Deep in my gut, with all in my heart, I come to a place of believing in my heart and saying with my mouth, Okay, God, I'm a mess. I've made mistakes. I need forgiveness and I need healing. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe I can be forgiven. I believe you can make me new. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I confess and turn away from my past and my mistakes. I turn to you. I live for you. At some point, we come to a place of praying that prayer. But let's not get away from that prayer. 
Let's live in it, an understanding of that prayer. Let's come back to it. Let's not let life always drifts to the complicated. Hello? It always drifts to the, the emotion, the tension, the, because we live in a broken world. But let's come back. Let's let our weekly Sabbath, this Sunday morning of starting our week off dedicated to God, to bring us back to a realization, to hear Jesus' voice. Pick up your head. Lift your head. Your sins have already been forgiven. Can there be any human experience as good as that? I'm no longer condemned to hell to an eternal separation from God. My sins have already been forgiven. And then everything that I do in my life should come out of this truth. Right? Anywhere that I have tension, anxiety, expectations put on me, everything that I do in my life should come out of this. This realization that it has already been done. So I receive His grace. I receive His love. I receive His forgiveness. And don't hold back. Don't hold back a sin, a mistake, or something deep and dark in your past and say, oh, God can't forgive that. God can't heal that. No, no, no. That's not your place. Let Him forgive everything. Let Him heal everything. Give Him full access. That's how we respond. And that's why we keep coming back to Jesus' very simple words that we are to love God with all we've got and love others as we love ourselves. And everything that we do here as a church, any way that you engage with what activities we do as a church, whether it be the small groups or serving Mother's Cry or other activities in your neighborhood and leading people that are in your life, asking them questions, loving on them, being a good friend and leading them to Jesus, inviting them to church, sure, but leading them to Jesus. Everything that is in our life should come out of this vision, this picture that my life has a purpose, has a design. God wants me to go somewhere. God wants me to accomplish something because of already having forgiven my sins. Now I've got purpose, fresh purpose, design, excitement that comes back. It's why the stated purpose of our church, everything, the way we evaluate if Sunday morning is a success, if life groups are a success, if serving the community is a success, we bring back to this written filter that we've pulled from Scripture. We are, as a church, to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. That's how we respond. Now, God, it's not all emotions and syrup, right? God wants to engage your brain. That's why many of us are going through a Bible study. It's very simple. It's from the Purple Book. The Purple Book is really just an organized list of questions that takes us to the Scripture that God gave us so that we could learn the truth about the Gospel, the good news of what has already been done. I've given away as many as I can. If you need one, uh, if you want one, I'll give you a Purple Book. You need to get together with some friends. You need to go through this. I don't care how long you've served God. I have yet to have a, a, a more than a 60-second conversation with anyone in this church that doesn't need what's in here. We all need this truth. No one has graduated beyond the Bible studies that we have here in the Purple Book. I'm trying to help you by saying things like that. 
All right? By giving it to you for free. Here's what we see. Here's what Rebecca and I see City Bible Church to be. And I know some of you have been in this church for a while. You've gone through this summer and tons of people traveling, a lot of people skipping church and doing different things and whatever. Hey, people have a life. They have a family. A lot of people don't come from here. They need to go back and visit their family. It's a good thing. People need to go to Rwanda and save the world or whatever Allison is doing. People need, to, there's, people need to do good things. But it's easy to kind of let our emotions get in the way and start to get discouraged. Well, I thought the church would be bigger by now. I thought we'd be in a building by now. You know what? It's time to stop, breathe, and say, what can God do? It's time to dream again. Time to see your life. It's time to see your life and this church and this city with fresh eyes. God's bringing us into a new season. God is bringing us into a new season. There are more people coming. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be the faithful stewards? What do we see? Are we activating our spirits? Are we activating? Are we getting some vision? So in our prayer and preparation, this is what we see for our church. You see it on the screen. We see a church loving Jesus in a way that people talk about. And do you know that's already true? It's already true. We see a church where people find salvation and healing in Jesus. Did you know that's already true? We see a church helping people find careers and peaceful homes. Boy, do we ever need that? Do we ever need that? And that's already true. We see a church where everyone can find a place that they fit. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. My biggest competition in this city is not churches. I love and support churches. My competition is the bars. Soccer leagues. The running events. My biggest competition is where people find community and relationships that support them and encourage them in other ways. That's what we are to be. A place where people find relationships, where they cross economic and educational and ethnic differences to love each other, to get to know each other, to learn more about God's way and what's already been done. We see a church serving the city with love that works. How do we do this stuff? We meet in homes during the week to get to know each other better. They're called life groups. If you're not in one, you should get in one. We're going to talk about that more soon. We get together on Sundays to worship God, to pray, to learn more about Him. And we eat lunch sometimes on Sundays to get to know each other better. And we serve. We serve the city. That's how we do this. That's how we take next steps. We're going to grow. We're going to grow in helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. I want to close in prayer, but I'd like you to ask you to stand with me, please. I'm happy to answer questions at any time about any of the things that we talk about. I've, I've, I have recently, and I will uh, more so in the future, give time to, uh, for you to ask me questions, even during a message on a Sunday. Um, but today, I want to zero in on this good news. So Jesus sees faith. He sees faith in you. He gives you a chance to respond. 
in giving you a chance to respond, it's really simple. It means that you come to a place where you state, where you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth, I've made my mistakes. I turn away from my past. I believe I can find forgiveness in Jesus. I believe in you. It's really that simple. Let's have a quiet moment for prayer. If you're here today and you've never before accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And I want to pray with you. Maybe you don't have all the questions answered yet. That's okay. Maybe you experience doubt. We all do. That's okay. God's not afraid of doubt. He's not afraid of questions. He wants to help you with whatever your question That's the God we serve. He wants to help you. God is the God who created math and science, history. God is the God who created our brains wired to think. I believe in thinking. And yet God always brings us to at least one point of faith. And that is a simple confession that we believe. That we need Him and that He can help. If you're here today and you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, I want you to just repeat this simple prayer after me. And to make them feel more comfortable, let's just everyone in the room repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I confess my sins. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away from the past and I turn to you. Thank you. God, we thank you. Everyone in this room today, Lord, we thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you that in whatever state we came in today, in whatever needs we have, that we can lift our eyes to you. We can be encouraged. We can be lifted up by the fact that it's already been done that you've already forgiven our sins, that you've already settled our past and have a design for our future, that there's nothing in our present you don't see. We thank you for it. We thank you that you don't call us to live a life thinking about what not to do, but you call us to live a life full of joy, pleasure, and seeking you with all that we've got. Help us to encourage each other and love on each other this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. I'm so happy that you're here today. Remember, we've got something to eat and to drink in the coffee shop. Go Ravens. Let's get a win. Beat the Bengals and the Steelers on Thursday night. God bless you today. Grace and peace to you. Have a good day.